Hello, and welcome to Dr. M's Women and Children First podcast. I'm your host, Dr. M, and this is podcast number 44. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with my nephew and godson, Blake Chalfont. Who is Blake Chalfont? Blake Chalfont is a student of experience. He is a young man on a mission to find as many answers as possible in this lifetime as it relates to being in connection with others and walk alongside them in their own process of finding out who they are, whether it's healing work, transformation, career orientation, whatever it is. Blake is an onion peeler trying to figure out what is it like to be the best in this space? What is it like to do what you can to help others, to walk alongside them in their their journey, their experience? In his website, he writes, I am currently nomadic young man's coach, currently based in South America. I earned my bachelor's in psychology from the California Institute of Integrative Studies and, has, and have a certification in integrative somatic trauma therapy. My work with individuals varies greatly depending on who I am working with and what kind of support they are needing. But you can expect internal family systems, somatic experiencing, compassionate listening, radical self-acceptance, and practical tools and exercises in each session. He is actively working on helping young men build their emotional toolkits so that they can harness the best of their male primal energy as well as their divine feminine side so they can be in relationship with whoever they want to in their lives in the best way possible, knowing that they are valued, they have a lot of self-worth, and that their life is fulfilled. For the parents listening or the young men listening, if you're between the ages of 15 and 19 and are searching for more, wanting to get a little deeper in your life, wanting to join a community of like-minded individuals, or if you're just searching for something different inside you, feeling like your purpose isn't where it needs to be and you want a little guidance, Blake Chalfant may be the person you would like to speak to to begin this process. And so in this podcast, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about Blake's journey and what each of us can learn from what he's been through in his life. And parents can learn about what's it like to see it from the other side from a young man's perspective instead of just always from our parent perspective. And I think all of these layers and arrow points of directionality in this conversation will be valuable to many different groups. And so with that, let's get started to a conversation with Blake Chalfant. Well, good day, Blake Chalfant. I am so, so, so happy to have you on the show today. And uh, I know you're somewhere outside of the United States. So where do I find you today? You are finding me in Lake Atitlan, Guatemala, on the shores of San Marcos. And it's so great to be here with you. Uh, That's such a beautiful thing. I love traveling the world during my years, uh, being single in school and seeing what the world has to offer always brought me home with such stories and, and ideas and new pathways that it opened up. And uh, I know this is most likely happening for you every day. So I'm pretty grateful to have the opportunity right now to speak to you on sort of your journey in life. And let's sort of touch base with that. What brought you to the place you're at? How did you get here? I watched you from an infant grow up to be the man you Mm -hmm. are now. So let's talk about that. Yeah, it's been, it's been such a journey to be here. And I guess just to start, I would love to unpack a bit about like my my growing up, which was growing up in a really stable white American family living in the suburbs of North Carolina and Tennessee. Yeah. And I really describe I really describe my life as kind of the normal American life in many ways. Um I went to school, I played sports, hung out with the right people and so yeah, growing up, I would say Sports was always a really big part of my life, playing soccer and many other things. Yeah, and I was really into pop culture of being, I'm 22 now. So, um, you know, living in the 2000s and conforming with all of those things and really trying to fit in. And I kind of, we we moved to um, a new school when I was in around fifth grade, around middle school. 
which when I talk with a lot of young men and in my writing and stuff, I look back on that middle school time and see it as such a potent time growing up, you know, around that like 10 to, yeah, like 10 to 12 kind of, you know, the ego starting to develop. We're starting to really search for ourselves. And then in middle school in particular, for me at least, it was like these merging of all these elementary schools into one big school. And that's also when the friend groups really started to form. Like it feels like when you're younger, it's it's not as big a deal. But then like these social hierarchies and these cliques and this need to belong really starts to wake up in us. And so for me, it was a really confusing time of searching for myself and for searching for belonging. And so looking back on it, so much happened in that really developmental part of my life. But um, I'm sure we can unpack that more later. But yeah, I was um, just trying to fit in. And I, I feel like I was uh, looked at as one of the popular cool kids in my school, kind of run, running with that crowd, playing the sports. And was very much on kind of the the beaten path, um, the path that was looked at as normal in my environment. Um, growing up, I always told myself that I wanted to be a businessman, wanted to have the gates on my house and do that. And later in high school, same old, same old stuff, playing sports, hanging out with the cool kids, partying, um, had a girlfriend, and was probably going to go to Tennessee, Knoxville, which is where everyone from my high school went. And so, you know, as I'm describing this, the, the theme here is really like just doing the path that everyone else around me was doing um, and really kind of looking around me to inform my direction in life. And along this entire process, there really wasn't a lot of I involved. There wasn't a lot of my own internal compass of do I actually want to do this? What is my passions? Um, it was just a lot of going through the motions throughout my, um, yeah, throughout those years of my life. And so then I went to Tennessee, Knoxville, and my brother was in a fraternity already. And so I followed along in his footsteps, joined the same fraternity, was still hanging out with a lot of my high school friends. And at that point, I thought I was doing really good in life. Like I thought I had it all together. You know, I was, I was doing okay in, in school, um, kind of probably average B student that first semester of college. I was getting invited to all the parties. I was hanging out with all the kids that I thought I was supposed to, all the cool guys, um, talking to the girls, partying. Um, and so at that point in my life, I thought I was doing great. Um, and just throughout that first semester started to just it felt like this like steamroll inside this snowball effect internally for me started to happen where I kind of came to this breaking point I remember the day um where I just really really kind of broke down and really realized like really came face to face with how I was feeling internally of oh my gosh I am so unhappy I'm so unfulfilled by my life and it was just like I was for the first time looking at myself in the mirror through like clear eyes. Um, and it felt like the first time that I had really lifted the hood of what I was feeling. Um, and so that was kind of the first the first real turning point in my life, I'd say, that that has brought me here today. Um, and since that point, it wasn't, you know, I would love to say that it was a beautiful, I had that realization and then everything was better. And I walked the most beautiful path. It, it was not like that at all. And it was, you know, a lot of after really facing that internal truth of going back and forth of like pendulating between acknowledging that and then going back into these old patterns and starting to try and find myself a bit more um, and really trying to break out of that old mold that I had been so stuck in for so many years, um, you know, which took me a little bit of time and I ended up transferring schools and um, really, really like craving that fresh start. And so then I it was like this slow journey of recreating myself and trying to find myself and trying this new thing. And, and that lasted another year at um, when I was at Tennessee Chattanooga. And then after that first after that, my sophomore year, that was after my sophomore year, I moved to Washington, um, kind of just on 
a feeling of that's what I wanted and it didn't make sense. But um, yeah, I was in a really intense part of my life of self-discovery and really just trying to find myself. Um, and that was one of the greatest decisions I've ever made. And I ended up graduating um, at California Institute of Inst Integral Studies in San Francisco with an amazing degree in psychology. And um, yeah, and then I moved to Portland in Santa Cruz, California. This was all while I was finishing my, my degree. Um, and all during that period, I was, I was um, really trying to like create the life that I really had wanted. I was starting to find myself and inside of that, it was like, okay, now that I know a little bit more about who I am, it's like, what do I really want? You know, I told you that I wanted, I grew up wanting to be a businessman because that in my environment was what was socially celebrated. You know, that was, that was my norm. And um, myself, along with so many other young people today, really have no idea what they want to do. And so um, kind of in, in the midst of that searching for what I wanted to do, I was thinking, well, I love people. I love talking to people. So I chose psychology. When I chose that, there was many people that told me, well, you're never going to do anything with that besides be a therapist. Opening your own practice is hard and there's all this insurance and just like a lot of, you know, limiting factors to that decision that I had made and there's not enough money in there, but it felt right. And so I did that. And I also really wasn't into the whole college scene anymore. And so I really wanted to just kind of get done with college as soon as I could. So I found a degree that I finished in three years in kind of a sped up program and in some ways just kind of created the life that I was um, really searching for at the time. And um, along that journey, I really woke up to this inner calling of helping the young men with the same thing that I've gone through, you know, feeling so lost, disconnected from myself, not knowing, um, not knowing how to trust myself, disconnected from passion, all those kinds of things that so many young men today are feeling, um, you know, I really realized that calling. And so when I finished school, I started working with clients and, um, and kind of that brings me here today. I was working with clients and after school, after finishing school though, it was just this clear next step of it's time to go see the world. You know, we're in school for 18 years of our, our life for some of us more for you is more than that. Um, and we really are, so starved of in my opinion like real raw experience in the world and so that was kind of what brought me here to guatemala yeah. just going to the university of life yeah and i i love your story i want to pack it in two directions uh the parent direction and then the other young men going through the same pathway direction so when I think of the parent direction, and, and again, I've watched you your entire life, and most of the time with utter awe and joy for what's happening, and then randomly for some a little bit of trepidation, and I, not being your parent, but being your godfather, there were points in time where I was a little worried with the direction you were going, and mm. and that's my own fear projected onto you, and and since then now i continue to watch and see the onion peel the next opening of the flower and it's just such a beautiful story so what i'd love to unpack for parents you going through what you did you had a journey that you were on based on all these different things that you've stated what would you say to parents and again this is not so much advice giving more what would you have wanted, and you may have already received this from your parents, but what would you have wanted if you were a young man going through this with a fictitious family right now, knowing what you know now? You're in the middle of Tennessee. You're on your path that makes your parents happy. You're going to be a businessman. You're going to do whatever, which is societally acceptable and societally celebrated. And all of a sudden, you take a 180-degree turn in the other direction that could scare the you-know-what out of your family. What would you mm -hmm. say to the world that you would say hey this is what i think you need to know about me and this is what i would love for you to offer me or be present with me in this journey hmm. yeah i think i would say i need to learn to trust myself even when that means making mistakes and to me that's the most important thing that i'm realizing 
as in our development is learning to trust ourselves. And as parents, we want to minimize as many mistakes and failures in our kids as we can. But what happens so much of the time when we do that and we take the reins and we say, no, you should do this instead, is that we're subconsciously telling these kids that it's not safe to trust yourself, which is so important. Like the pro con, the the pro the pro con of me making a me making a mistake, but but actually like strengthening that muscle of self trust versus my parents telling me what to do and minimizing the mistake. It doesn't even compare. And so, um, yeah, I would have just asked for self trust and um, acceptance, really acceptance, because as you're saying, it's like we all have our own projections and that's not a parent thing. That's a human thing. Right. We're always projecting our own experience onto other people, what we think is normal, what we think is okay. And um, so I really think it's just like, can you accept me for where I am at and can you hold me and can you still love me? Because ultimately, no matter what, that safety net of unconditional love and, and support, and it doesn't always have to look squishy. Sometimes it is, you know, tough love. But I think that safety net for kids to explore the world is the most important thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good segue into the young man side of this. So let's say there's a 14, 15, 16, 17 year old right now, and he's listening to this podcast and he's hearing your journey going, man, oh my God, that aligns with my soul right now. Mm. How, how, how and what would you say to that young man right now who's facing trepidation as they're staring themselves in the mirror for the first time, potentially with fear that I shouldn't follow this path that everybody wants me to, that is the safe path, potentially. It might not even be the safe path. Right. How would you sort of help them align their core ethos around a huge transition because again this is what teens are supposed to do right we're supposed to rebel against societal's norms to improve upon it but we're not doing that we've become this cultural wave of everybody follows the same path and, right and i see you followed that path like i did and i just got lucky that the path i followed led me to a career and a life that is celebrated but also is so heartwarming and soul nourishing for me to care for kids but i got lucky that was not anything other than i think blind luck in my passions of which direction i chose to go to your point i think very well stated the wave is driving us towards some careers that may not align with our current ethos how would you then say to this 14 15 16 17 year old young person hey it's okay yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. And I, before I answer it, I just want to zoom out and frame it in careers included in this, but it's just life in general. And for many of us, we spend our life mostly doing our career, but um, this is really for everything. And there's so many different things to unpack here. Um, yeah. Where do I even want to begin with this? I think first is, you know, that, that, that soul speaking to you that you're speaking of here, it's like that feeling when it's just resonating and you're hearing someone talking and there's this deep part inside of you that says, I want that. That is truth. For so many of us, we're so disconnected from our inner compass. That is your truth. And then when you start to take steps towards that and this, these other fear parts come online and you're having these thoughts in your head of, oh, I shouldn't do that and stuff. It's like, that I guess people can't see us on the camera, but all of that fear is completely normal. And that is just a part of it. And that is, that is normal resistance. And you need to know that that's not your inner compass speaking to you. That's actually different parts of you that are trying to protect you from what might happen if you go down this path. And so a couple of things that I just want to say without going too deep into, because it's totally not my lane, but as humans from our from our ancestral evolution, we are wired to avoid unknown, to avoid change, 
and to stay safe inside of our comfort bubble. Because back then, that is what kept us safe from all the unknowns in our environment. And it's really important just to know that little bit of evolutionary biology because it's still playing out in our world today. And so you, I think it's so important as young men to know that guess what? When you are taking steps into some sort of unknown in your life or you're really wanting to change the same way that when you're wanting to change a deeply ingrained habit that you've been doing your whole life, like the same way that that's uncomfortable sometimes the first couple of days, like you're going to be met with some resistance. And that is not a sign that you should stop and go back to your other way of living. That's a sign in some ways that you're actually on the right path and that you're going the right direction and keep going because that fear and resistance is only temporary as with any emotion that is, that is only temporary. So what I want to say to all these young men or just people in general who are, you know, feeling called to maybe an alternative path or to doing things different is like, like, look at the times that we're in these ways of being that we have been conditioned with. And I guess like the norm of today is no longer working. I mean, we're seeing that in the masses, how many people are suffering with mental health? How many, how many young men are suffering with anxiety, depression, um, the the rates of suicide. And so I'm not going to pinpoint it to one specific thing, but what I am going to say is, Something is something that we are doing as human beings is not working anymore. Some way of how we are living is not working anymore and that we are being pushed to change. Evolution is driven by stress in the push for a need to live in a different way. And to me, that is where we are at. We're being pushed into all these different micro evolutions of we're needing, we, we are being asked to look for new ways of being right now. And to me, one of the biggest areas inside of this need for change is what we're speaking to right now, is people that are living lives that are not actually theirs. People who are on paths that they are not, are not actually connected with and who are not actually fulfilled by and who in the first place didn't actually choose. Someone else chose that for them. And so I think... This is, and please stop me on this rant if you have a question or if you want to transition because this is a big topic to unpack. But I think something else that's so important to unpack and to understand even just a tidbit as, you know, 16-year-olds, as young men, is our environmental conditioning, is how much we are conditioned with by our environment and our deep drives to belong to the masses, to the tribe. And so if we're wanting to belong and look and look like everyone around us, what does that look like for most of us? It's not, it's not living our own life. It's actually living someone else's. It's not pursuing the path that we actually feel deeply connected to. It's doing what is more accepted by the norm. Because guess what? Everything that we're speaking to about the way that I've chosen my path and the way that you have lived your life, is not the norm at all yeah yeah it's the minority i i I wanna sort of pull on that string a little bit more the the evolutionary events of humans the tribal nature we're seeing play out big time right now with a polarity in our world right and so we're hyper polarized and i know you're you've spoken to that a good bit but if you go back in time throughout history the most important time for humans to push against the cultural norms is almost always in the puberty age range up until the mid twenties. This is the time historically humans always pushed against the culture of the time to try and emancipate out of what may be broken and learning to make a better path to the future. So I almost wonder And again, this is getting a little existential a little bit, but I almost wonder if young men now are less inclined to pull on that lever of their own desire because the cultural in-your-face reality is so oppressive between social media and 
constant exposure to screens and pornography and all the other things driving this, this wave in one direction that young men and young women who used to in the seventies, at least when I was growing up, there was less helicopter parenting. There was very little access to the things we're talking about. So we're all imaginative in our mindsets. I think we were more encouraged to explore then our sense of self to some degree. Mm. And I think, I wonder now if that's one of the biggest things holding young men and women down in their teenage years is this, this cultural wave of, no, don't step outside the lines. This is what we want you to be, the Kardashians, the whatever. What do you think right. about that? I think you're spot on. I mean, I can't necessarily speak to how it might have been different in the past. Um, but I can tell you that growing up today, it's extremely terrifying to do that. Yeah. Um, just referencing what I was just saying again, like this need to belong right now feels so intensely. Um, what's the word? I don't know if exploited is the word, but it, it just feels so present right now. Like this need to belong, this extreme tribalism, um, it, 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 it feels really intense today. And so I think inside of that, it's like, well, I know for me growing up, it was like my drive to fit in and, and feel approved and validated by others was number one on my list of things to do. And I think probably like number 10 on my list was explore myself and step out into the world and follow my innate inner drives and passions because what happened or in this this does happen sometimes but i think for a lot of the time it's actually more of a story that we tell ourselves of if i'm st if i step out into the world and choose to explore myself more and bring myself more to the surface then it threatens actually my belonging it's going to threaten the validation and approval i have and so I'm stuck behind that drive and it feels safe and it feels comfortable. And I also think just that that muscle of self-exploration of saying yes to myself and choosing me and listening, you know, that is all a muscle to be trained. And in our culture today, we don't do that at all. I mean, f the, from a young age, we don't do that. Right. And so it's, you know, it's like, it almost feels like trying to write with your non-dominant hand. It's just something that we don't really know how to do and it feels so foreign. And so I think for a lot of us, and this is where as, as young men, like having these mentors in our life come in handy, but we don't have that today. Um, and so, yeah. 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 You know, and, and, and you think about, you know, the, the tribalism that's happening, like you're saying, we're seeing, intense intense pressure on people to pick a side and mm. and in order to pick a side as a young person you know you're you're almost put into a black and white or or a world that shouldn't exist for young people because gray should be the reality for young people because gray is how we're feeling through all the different emotions and and cognitive beliefs and everything else happening to find where we fit in the framework and so for the parents listening, what Blake just said is super, super important. When you see your kid vibrating against the cultural wave, embrace that moment with your kid and say, hey, I see you wanting to step outside. I mm. support you. I'm here with you. I am behind you. You know, Tony Hawk, famous skateboarder, when he started doing all that stuff, he was way outside the cultural norm. And he mm. could have easily said no i can't do this this is and what did he do he turned a career a life a way of being around skateboarding which right. to a parent might sound insane to me it probably would have sounded insane if thomas came to me and said <laughs> dad i want to skateboard for a living but we have to start to trust to your point that each one of us has the ability to find that which is within, is within ourselves that trust of our ability to find our inner compass to find our path and, mm. and I, I can't highlight what you're saying enough for parents to listen to. I mean, I see kids all the time in clinic where a kid says something and I'm like, explore that. And they look at the parent and they look at me like, you're sanctioning this kid to do that? I'm like, yeah, explore that. Right. If he says cocaine, I'll say, no, don't explore that. 
Yeah. But if it's something right. that's not dangerous and painful, yeah, explore that. You may go nowhere. You may go somewhere. Who cares? But if it's passion, you'll put effort in. I think of, you know, my own ethos and many other people who have the mindset that I do, the ADHD mindset. I, when I find something I love, my heart just sings with it. And that's right. always worked so well for me. But instead of it being a disease, you know, I'm grateful I wasn't labeled when I was a kid. My parents were just like, yeah, you're a bit, you're, you're, you like that direction. Well, go that way. And, mm -hmm. and so I think I'm, I'm also getting to the point in my career now where I'm trying not even to use labels for diseases anymore. Cause what is it really? Probably just the way that brain works that allows you to be super hyper-focused on X, which is your path and honor. Mm -hmm. right. And then, you know, maybe you have to do the English if you have to for school. Yeah, I mean, parents, listen to these words. Yeah. They're 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 so mm -hmm. so powerful. What Blake is saying from the the viewpoint of the young person, not the viewpoint of me, the parent, or the you know the the guardian or the teacher, the doctor, whatever. That that that's a different viewpoint that we get too often. We need to hear the viewpoint from you, young people, Blake. I mean, it's it's so mm -hmm. powerful. So I want to pull on another lever that you speak to and this is the crisis of not being enough mm. what is this crisis and how long have we sort of struggled with it as a society mm. yeah i think it goes way back further than my time yeah um and I think it's been something that has maybe continually been a snowball. And I think it's actually something that most people don't even see or are, or are aware of because of how prevalent it is. Yeah. I mean, and it it's becoming the norm. And so people aren't looking at it as weird anymore. It's just how we live. And, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to go deeply down this, the route of, um, blaming capitalism and things of that nature for this. But in many ways, our feelings of not enoughness and needing to fill that hole inside of us does benefit a lot of parts of our culture right now. And that's just, that's just a fact. Um, but I don't necessarily want to speak a bunch to that right now. What I feel more um, inclined to speak on is just, yeah, how this shows up for so many of us today. Um, because for so many of us, it's, you know, it's, 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 as we are, it's, it's coming from such deep early childhood and for many to address parents and young men, young people here, like most parents have the same thing and your parents did before them. And so it, it's, it's almost like just how we are naturally showing up in the world. And so our kids are going to soak up the same exact same exact patterns of being um and in many ways it shows up actually in ways that are intention like no parent is intentionally parenting their kid to say i'm going to raise you so you don't feel like you're enough no one says that so like please have compassion for yourself here there, there there needs to be so much compassion when we're talking about these things that have been passed on for generations and generations but we are to a point where we must start to look at these things and ask these questions because not feeling like enough will dictate your entire life. For so many of us, that is such a deeply conditioned belief within ourselves. And it is the way that we are seeing our life. I mean, I think about like, um, what do you call those, the blinders where you only see certain, um, like you only have a certain, yeah spectrum of your vision you don't get to see the whole horizon right that's what happens when we carry around this deeply ingrained belief that we're not enough we're seeing the world through the lens that i am not enough and so what happens when we see the lens through i am not enough then we ask ourselves well how can i prove that i am enough and so as kids for many of us that's proving it to our to our parents maybe it's in sports maybe it's oh if i score a goal today maybe then i'll get the approval that i'm searching for so deeply from my parents Maybe it's in school with our grades. But for so many of us, we stay on that hamster wheel of constant external search to fill in the belief that we are not enough, to finally feel like we are enough. And so that, for me, that happens so much 
with my friend group and my validation from my friends and feeling like I'm enough, getting invited to the right, the right parties, making the right people hang out, laugh, like entertaining people. That was my form of seeking validation. And it's important to note that this shows up completely different for everyone. But it's just this, it's just this pattern of search, searching for something that the desire is not just that we want to do it, but it's actually there's something deeper in the desire of, I at some level believe that this is going to enhance my sense of self, that this is going to make me feel good about myself. And, and I think the example that comes most to mind within our culture is career and money. Because so what's so connected here in our external search for the feeling of being enough is the current social norms. And so we really need to ask ourselves, okay, in our culture that we live in, what is celebrated, what is accepted, and what is validated? Because that is how we are going to receive this external feeling of self-worth. And so just to name a few things like money, money is probably the one thing that is extremely celebrated and approved and validated within our culture. Um, within the youth, it's more of like social media presence, Instagram, being the cool kid in school, all these kinds of things. And so for many of us, these are going to be the things that we're searching for. And in our mind, these external things that we're searching for provide a checkpoint. And what we say to ourselves subconsciously is once I reach this, once I reach this checkpoint, that is when I'm finally going to feel good about myself. That is when I'm finally going to feel whole on the inside. And it's important to note that I'm not saying that we're saying this out loud to ourselves and we're consciously thinking about this. For many of us, this whole pursuit of feeling enough is happening completely beneath our awareness and things that we're not aware of. And it's so important that we shine a light on that because we will live the rest of our lives seeking these things until, until, we, until we actually see them. Because the nature of this external pursuit of self-worth is that we'll actually never find it outside of ourselves. What happens when we reach these checkpoints is that we get to them and then we realize, oh, wow, the checkpoint just extended itself to this next thing. And we might feel good about ourselves for a day or for a week or for a month. And people might actually celebrate us and we might believe that maybe, just maybe, we just found it. But then it'll extend itself. And then it'll be this, this next raise, this promotion or this, this amount of followers, whatever it is. It keeps on extending itself. And the thing is, is that I am not against money. I think money is amazing and I want money in my life. But there's a difference between wanting something and thinking that what we're in thinking that it is going to provide some sense of self-worth. Right. That desire is so different and it's crucial that we know that. So I'm not asking you stop pursuing your career or stop doing the thing that you're doing. I'm asking you to renegotiate your relationship to why you are doing it. I am asking you to pause for a moment and look at yourself in the mirror and say, this is not who I am. I am already enough and I still want to do this. Right. You're reframing the reality around the, the, the want, right? And I agree exactly. with you. It's like, you know, I sort of think of that now in my third quarter of my life, how much has just shifted for me in my desire to continue chasing goals, right? And my goal orientation now is completely changed towards everything has to be in service of now. Whereas I think the second quarter of my life, it was sort of this growth phase of always building. And the first quarter of my life, I think, was trying to find out who I really even was. And so I think we mm -hmm. even go through quartile phases of our existence in in, in right. seeking these realities. And I think to your point, that's exceedingly well stated, <laughs> filling that hole with external validation is a zero-sum game. It will never equal an outcome you want it to be. And this has been shown over and over and over again with the greatest athletes, the greatest doctors, the greatest politicians – they don't achieve happiness despite the litany of awards, accolades, and greatness. I mean, 
I can't tell you how many therapists I've talked to who take care of amazingly powerful people. And the same common theme is always there that their whole inside has grown bigger with each accolade because it, it, when it doesn't fill, it becomes that much more desperate. How do I get there? Mm. I just did X and I don't feel fulfilled. And so right. for you young folks listening to this podcast, this is a big, big nut to try and swallow and, and incorporate into your understanding. Because if you can really, truly start to work on this need for enoughness, you're going to have such a leg up on everybody else because most people don't see this until they're much older. I mean, I, you know, I... I couldn't give you a statistical number on that, but I think a ton of people go through their entire lives, like you're stating, never understanding this hole in their heart that they're searching for. They just keep doing the next thing, thinking mm. that's it. And you're right. It just gets right. extended. Yeah. I Like, I think that's, that's so, so powerful that it, this stuff does not get discussed mm. in young people's circles, right? I mean, how many right. people in your life speak to these kind of things in high school or in college yeah it's no one it's nobody no right. one's no one's talking about these things at that age and for one i don't think most of us have the language to talk about these things and most of us have no idea that they even exist going back to how normalized it's become because right. for most of us we're all doing it and right. we're all doing it in some different way and it's not going to look the same for everyone um and yeah it is so important and i don't like say any of this lightly like it will radically change your life you are seeing through the eyes of i am enough for the first time like it will it it will change everything and um and i also don't want to frame it in this way of it's going to be one day where you finally realize you are enough right and i want to like give people a little bit of something to take away of like well how can i do this like I, I realize that i'm not enough what do i do what do i do now which is just start seeing it step one is just start seeing the patterns in your life start noticing oh okay i realize i'm doing this for a little bit more than the fact that i just want to do it i realize i'm doing it for some sort of some sort of validation just in starting to see those things and starting to untangle the yarn your your innate self-worth will start to emerge because it, it's it's inside of us. It's not like we realize we're not enough and then we have to go find it outside of us. Our self-worth is already inside of us. Like the feeling that we are already enough is buried beneath all of the other beliefs that we need to do something to prove who we are. Yeah, and I would tug It's already on that. in there. Yeah, yeah. And I tug on that too and put a, a little addition for parents. Read The Myth of Normal and Scattered Minds by Gabor Mate. I think both of those books do mm, a really mm -hmm. succinct job in trying to get us to understand a lot of these points you're speaking to. And I think, uh, you know, when I read Scattered Minds especially, it was an incredible wake-up call to the crisis of the missing whole of enoughness in my heart. Because I, I clearly look back on my childhood and my life and see that I had that issue and to some extent still do, which I think is why mm. I drove so hard in my life to be the doctor that I wanted to be, the this that I wanted to be, the this that I wanted to be competing at everything. And, and it, it was a wake up call when I even realized, holy cow, I'm chasing an unanswerable question. And in, in right. the sense of I can do it through these external validating exp experiences. And I didn't even grow up in the world like you guys did with the social media. I, I think that could have ruined my life, honestly. Right. I, I feel I have so much compassion for parents and kids right now having to navigate this world that pushes in their face the things that we don't want them to see. And I find that to be such a struggle for me when I speak to parents and kids, like, I, I want you to recognize how difficult you you have it. And I have such compassion and love for you trying to navigate this system. And I, and I want to also touch on what you said earlier, like parents, you know, when you see these things and your children see these things, holding space while they figure it out or while you figure it out and being compassionate to yourself for the mistakes you've made is the answer. Not to look back ever and say, 
oh, I didn't do this right. I didn't do this right. I didn't do this right. That never serves. It You can only learn from those things. That's useful. But I don't ever think it's useful to say to yourself, oh, I screwed this up and therefore um, X, Y, and Z. And so mm -hmm. like, I love, love, love the direction you're going with all of this work. And I think, you know, when I look to the future, I think people who are aligning their ethos with the path you're on is just going to help our culture find its way instead of the direction it's on right now, which I think is quite lost with mental health hitting 50% of teenage kids. I mean, everything we're looking at is, is unfortunately going sideways. And so I applaud yeah. you mm. most of all for being brave enough to step up in those moments and say, no, I'm on this train and I'm no longer going to stand it. Cause that took incredible, incredible willpower. And, and, mm. and then once you were brave enough then to stay the course and keep, iterating until you found the path that made the most sense to you. And I know it's still going to be iterated and you probably iterate till you leave this earth. Mm. But boy, kudos to you, you know, for mm. somebody who's been blessed to watch you follow this journey, it has been an absolute joy for me to watch you. And now it's even most heartwarming experience to sit down with you and share your wisdom mm. at 22 criminy, like, I had zero compared to you at 22, which I find, you know, is just the reality of my existence then. But at 22, <laughs> you've been able to achieve so much. And I'm so grateful for your ability to share what you know with the world. So like two things I want to hit on before we finish, we're coming up on an hour. Um, number one, I ask all my guests this, and you may or may not know this. I think you do, but if you could get a golden ticket, and you could hand that ticket into Congress or the president, and you could affect one massive change with that ticket. You could choose anything. Doesn't matter cost, doesn't matter anything. I mean, you know, within reason, what would you want Congress or the president to do for society to make it better? And I'll tell you while you're thinking, mine is always the same. I think school lunches, 66% of the nutritional calories fed to children should be perfect. There should be no option for unhealthy food so kids can't have dysfunctional metabolics based on a government paradigm. So that's my wish. Mm. What would you ask for? Yeah. The first thing that came to mind was the, like, spreading the message of, of enoughness, but to um, to bring it more into, like, a concrete concrete plan i would just say the re-education of our children and of our youth um really built on principles that are setting people up to be thriving human beings in the world today and so i you know i think it looks different for boys and girls but you know emotional education and um learning to trust ourselves learning to connect with ourselves all of these things that i really believe are you know the foundations that we need to really be able to navigate the world in a healthy way. Right. Right. Yeah. Well said. Well said. So if people wanted to follow you, people wanted to learn more about what you're doing and, you know, whether it's get a direct contact with you for a session or follow your website or the work you're doing, how could they do that? So I think the first place to go would be my website, which you can find at Blake shalfont.com maybe we can put that in the show notes it will and on the website you'll also find an upcoming course that i have which is starting on april 30th and is going to be a six-week online journey with young men ages 15 to 19 where we're going to be going through all of the essentials it's called the young man's toolbox and it's going to be the toolbox that i never had as a young man that i feel that we need to really be thriving in the world today um, and I also work with young men, one-on-one -on -one sessions doing counseling work. So if you're feeling called to any of that, you can find all the details on my website. Um, and if you just want to follow me in a personal way, I'm on Instagram at blake.shalfont. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Well, everybody, you've, you, you had a experience that I've been wanting to share for quite a while. And we got the time to get together from, I love this. Zoom Guatemala to Davidson, North Carolina. Like what a world we live in where we can do this face to face <laughs> and 
and send this information out into the world. It's a, uh, it's such a pleasure, Blake. And, and I have just so much gratitude for what you're doing and what you're able to share with the world. So for that, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So great to know you, witness your work in the world and to be here with you. The Young Man's Toolbox. Boy, I wish I had been given access to a young man's toolbox when I was young. What I could have gleaned and learned back in those days that could have helped me navigate my journey in a different way. Not that I would have changed much for the sense of it was a bad experience. My journey has been a great one and it's been mine. But it would have been nice to have more tools in my toolkit to emotionally handle different situations as they came up in my life. And for that, I think the podcast gets across that information that Blake has learned in his short time on this earth, 20 few years. And, and so, you know, I think at this point, listening to the words and the message is important for parents and young men alike, right? The parents to learn how is it to see and show up for our kids in the best possible way. And for the young people, how is it to present ourselves when we're on this difficult journey that may be flighty, changing directions, um, hardcore? I mean, there's a million ways this can go. And each one may be the path that we need to be on. You know, it's not to say parents should abdicate their parent role. No, not at all. This is a dual role. This is a journey together. This is a conspiration, a breathing together, a growing together. And I think with that, we have the best possibilities of outcome success, right? And that may not be dictated by the parent's outcome success. It may be the child's outcome success, like as discussed with Tony Hawk, right? His parents probably didn't think that was the best idea. Maybe they did. Either way, it turned out to be great. So foreknowledge is generally not there. Looking back in the rearview mirror, a little bit easier. Living in the present, that's just what it is. It's the present, the gift that we have to do what we can every single day. So if you get a chance, go to www.blakechalfant.com and you have access to click on his courses where he has the Young Man's Toolbox, which starts April 30th and goes to June 4th. He has that course up and coming. He's also got services and links to information that you can read about his work, schedule session with him. Either way, he's just a wonderful person and I... Grateful you listened to the podcast, and if you enjoyed it, please go to Apple iTunes Podcasts and rate it. Helps me understand which direction to go. So as always, hug those kids, and thank you. Now for the disclaimer. The information provided in this podcast is for informational, educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for advice and or treatment provided by your physician or other healthcare professional and is not to be used to diagnose or treat a health issue. This podcast does not constitute development of a provider or patient relationship. Have a great day.